Father, you bless us and you take care of us in so many ways. And perhaps the most personal gift you've given us is that of of our moms. Thank you for these women who've taken on this high calling which carries so much responsibility and which causes such an impact in the lives of all of us. We ask your blessing on each one of these mothers and grandmothers today. Lord, you see each and every heart this morning, and you know the joys and the hurts of each one. And we ask you to minister to those who are hurting this morning. Maybe, you know, they lost their mom this past year and are just kind of remembering her today. Or maybe they've lost a child May your comfort be with each hurting heart. And also, may your presence and peace be experienced in a tangible way this morning by those who are walking the lonely road of infertility. Pour out your blessing on these, on these women and these husbands. And finally, God, we ask for your, for your blessing and uh, we offer our great thanksgiving for all of the spiritual, the spiritual moms in our congregation and in our lives, those who, who've taught our classes, those who volunteer in ministries that touch so many lives, those who, who really just offer examples of poise and grace, and we see Jesus in them, and we're grateful for that. We offer these petitions and these thanksgivings in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, you can follow along this morning on Version, which is a free app for your phone, your mobile device, or you can just... Pop open the bulletin and follow along with us there this morning. We're going to do things a little bit different, kind of reverse order this morning. We're going to knock out the, uh, the outline uh, pretty early on, and then we're going to get into the story. Uh, Mary, Martha, Lazarus, Jesus, a story from Luke chapter 10. We will get there, and we'll dwell on that story a little bit here in just a few moments. I will say one thing about the story, though, uh, before we get to the outline part, and it is a story of Jesus spending time with people he really cared about, he really loved. Now you're thinking, Jesus loved everybody. Jesus cared about, yes. But the Bible actually singles out four individuals uh, that Jesus loved. It actually says, calls them by name and says, Jesus loved these people. One of them is the apostle John. The other three are mentioned by John in John chapter 11, verse 5. It says, Jesus loved Martha and her sister, that's Mary, and Lazarus. So it singles them out and says, man, Jesus loved these people. They were, they were some of his best friends. Now, Martha in the Luke chapter 10 text, she really reminds me of a lot of us here in North Dallas, okay? Martha, the English translations, these are some of the words that the translations use from the story in Luke 10 to describe Martha, and see if this doesn't sound like you when you look in the mirror or a lot of people that you know here in North Dallas. Here are some of the words that the Bible uses to describe her. Distracted, worried, upset, pulled away, fussy, interrupting, worked up over nothing, busy. We'll talk more about her in just a minute, but suffice it to say we have a lot of busy people here at Preston Crest and in this 
part of town. We are high-achieving people. I thank God for that. Type A personalities here, a lot of them, not everybody. But it means that we get a lot of things done, and I celebrate that. I thank God for that. However, it also means that we've got a lot of people who are basically running on fumes, (laughs) who are just kind of in a continual state of exhaustion. And I'm not just talking about the young mothers of this church. (laughs) People who are kind of overscheduled, who are kind of distracted too because there's just so much to keep up with. So many plates are spinning, right? So the story that we're going to work with this morning really centers around an important biblical concept that these days is being called in medical circles or psychology circles margin, but which is a much older concept which we would know better biblically as being the Sabbath, the Sabbath concept. Uh, There's a medical doctor named Richard Swenson that really popularized this word margin when talking about the God-given concept of Sabbath. And I'm just going to read a quote from him this morning. It's just great. I thought about putting this in the bulletin, but it was just going to take up too much space. So just listen. He says, margin is the space between our load and our limits. It is the amount allowed beyond that which is needed. It is something held in reserve for contingencies or unanticipated situations. Margin is the gap between rest and exhaustion. The space between breathing freely and suffocating. Margin is the opposite of overload. If we are overloaded, we have no margin. Most people are not quite sure when they pass from margin to overload. Threshold points are not easily measurable and are also different for different people in different circumstances. We don't want to be underachievers, heaven forbid, So we fill our schedules uncritically. Options are so attractive as they are numerous, and we overbook. If we were equipped with a flashing light to indicate 100% full, we could better gauge our capacities, but we don't have such an indicator light. And we don't know when we have overextended until we feel the pain. As a result, many people commit to a 120% life and wonder why the burden feels so heavy. It is rare to see a life pre-scheduled to only 80%, leaving a margin for responding to the unexpected that God sends our way. Ooh, isn't that good? That really speaks to me. I really think that speaks to the, to the zeitgeist, to the spirit of our times. In my life, in your life, we need margin. We crave margin. We feel, believe me, we do feel the lack of it. But as you know, there's just too much to do. I mean, nice concept and everything, but there's too much to get done. 
And moms know that, but the rest of us know that as well. Now, you and I know as well that the culture around us neither endorses margin nor helps us make room, make space in our lives, in our schedule. Margin is not something that, because of that, margin is not something that's going to just happen. It is something that you will have to be intentional about. In other words, you're going to have to fight for it. Even now, you may be thinking, yeah, nice, nice concept. But there's, there's a ton of stuff to get done, and there's just too much that I've got to do. There's no way around that. But here's the thing. Um, it's the question that I really think we need to wrestle with. If we think margin is it's a luxury, don't have time for that luxury, the question is this. What happens to me when I don't have it? Okay. What happens to me when I don't have it? What do I end up at the job? What do I end up being able to offer when I'm overwrought, overworked, uh, when my emotional tank is empty, my heart is empty, when I'm running on fumes, am I really offering the best work, the best teammate, the best employee? Am I offering myself as the best boss? Am I really offering people my best when I don't have margin? Um, am I, and I ask myself this, am I a better dad with or without margin? in my life? Am I a better husband? Am I a better minister? Am I a better friend to those around me when I have margin or when I don't have margin? I think the answer is obvious. And the story that we're going to encounter this morning in Luke chapter 10, Martha is not working (laughs) with margin. Great intentions, but she doesn't have margin built in. She's serving and she is ministering But it is not from the overflow. It is not from a place of abundance of joy. Okay? That's not where it's coming from. And we see that in the story. So Jesus calls this out in the story. He doesn't criticize Martha's ministry. He doesn't criticize her industriousness. Uh, He doesn't criticize her servant heart. Instead, he points to Martha's spirit. And in the story we're going to see this morning, Jesus tells her, you're worried, that's a spiritual thing, and upset, same, about too many things. So without margin, I can become worried about too many things and forget about the few things that really matter the most. Now, Jesus obviously is a big fan of serving. He loves service, okay? But Jesus is not a big fan of serving with a bad attitude. For Jesus, good service with a bad attitude is bad service, okay? Good service with a bad attitude is bad service, okay? It's a pretty good sign that you don't have margin in your life when you, like Martha, find yourself doing good things with kind of a bad attitude. That's a pretty good indicator that margin is not there. Now, here's the cool thing. When you think about it, God actually knows that you need margin. I mean, He made you. He designed you. 
And not only did he build you in such a way that you need margin, you need Sabbath. Not only did he teach about it, not only did God codify it in the law of Moses, but, Jesus, but God actually, uh, Jesus did too, but God the Father actually models margin for us from the beginning. How about Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 to 3? Think about this. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. And God, this is for us, God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. So margin or Sabbath, if you prefer, is this divine rhythm, this God-built rhythm into the universe and into our lives that we need to recognize. Okay? Um, so here's the outline this morning. We're going to go through this fairly quickly. Um, basically, it is just about and just kind of hitting these points. This is stuff for you to think about, all right? This is stuff for you to think. This is not for you to feel guilty about or, oh boy, another thing I need to do. No, that's not the idea of this. This is something for you to think about. And really, the word working in all of this would just be rhythm, okay? It's about rhythm. So finding some refreshing streams for yourself. The first... And the most important, the one that jumps off the page of, of Luke chapter 10 this morning is going to be this. It is make time with the Lord a priority, refusing to, be, to let that be crowded out by the smaller stuff. And let me just say right here, right now, congratulations. You already made an excellent choice to begin this week. You're here. Okay? You're here singing. You're here praying, you're here fellowshipping, you're here uh, sharing communion, you're here hearing from the word of the Lord. Many people would say that's wasted time. I would say this is the most important investment you're making in the week that is about to get rolling here. Good choice there. The word of God says in Luke 10 verse 42, um, Jesus talking to Martha here, one thing, uh, only one thing is essential and Mary has chosen it it's the main course, and it won't be taken from her. What's she doing? Mary is just focusing on Jesus. She's spending time with the Lord. Um, what a blessing. This is the biggest thing. Um, and Mary models that for us. Her priority was just to sit at the feet of Jesus, even when, yes, there were other things she could have done. Um, she could have been checking things off her to-do list, but she prioritized time with the Lord um, because that's where Mary understood that's where the life comes from. That's where the spiritual tank gets filled. Her sister Martha, at least in this story, did not see that, did not get that, was not in tune with that rhythm, okay? Um, so some see spending extra time with the Lord as a burden, right? As an extra thing to do in an already overcrowded, undermargined week. Others, disciples, see it as a source, a pouring in of strength and grace and peace and love and, well, that margin. 
Um, remember what Jesus said. Very, you've heard this before. Jesus told his disciples at one point in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Build me into your life. In fact, center your life around me. Come to me, and you will find streams of refreshing. Um, now, this, this, that's, that's the big thing. So we're going to get into some smaller things, although this one is pretty important as well. Second thing there would just be that word simplify. Again, this is what I'm challenging you to think about, okay? Don't make hasty decisions this morning. Think about this. Simplify. Consider cutting non-essentials so margin can be built into your week. If you feel like there's no extra space, you're 110, 120% planned out, Verse 42, only one thing is important. Mary has chosen, so it's a choice. By choosing Jesus, Mary was choosing not to do other things, much to the frustration of her sister. We'll see that in the story. But she was making a choice, okay? Um, She ordered her world around the biggest thing, and she was courageous enough to make that choice. Uh, and it made a big difference for her. So simplify. A few other, and these are really just kind of things to think about this morning. Okay, a few other things. I think they're all biblical, but some smaller things. One of them would be just about work. Um, it's a blessing to have work. God worked for six days, took the seventh off. So consider, um, or consciously rather, find joy and satisfaction in the daily rhythm of work. Housework, office work, um, sales work, um, what, yard work. Find joy in the daily rhythm of, of work. And hopefully there are parts of your job or parts of the work that you do, um, at least some parts that are enjoyable to you, satisfying to you. The next thing would be make time for recreation. You need this, okay? Make time for recreation uh, 1 Timothy 6, 17, God richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Um, he has filled the world with a lot of good things. Uh, take time to enjoy those things that you enjoy. Um, the next thing would be get enough sleep. Um, and there are all sorts of studies about this, um, that people aren't getting enough sleep. That's one of the reasons people are so anxiety-ridden, stressed out today. Uh, don't feel margin as they're just they're burning the candle at both ends and not getting enough sleep. Um, Psalm 127, 2, we see that it's a blessing, it's a gift from God. It is useless for you to work so hard from early morning until late at night, anxiously working for food to eat, for God gives, God gives rest to his loved ones. So just think about that, okay? If that might be one of the reasons you're feeling overwrought, exhausted. Um, the next thing would be exercise regularly. That's another thing that, that is biblical, uh, but is also, uh, it's the way God wired us up, but it's also something that scientists, medical scientists finding today actually pours more energy into us. Uh, exercising may at the t- moment take energy away, but over the long time it helps you feel more energetic. And then finally, this is important. Um, because this is one of the ways, or many of the ways rather, that we cope with the lack of margin Uh, actually only compound the problem. Okay, so check this out. When dealing with this exhaustion, avoid unhealthy habits and coping mechanisms. And the list is 
endless. Just a few things. Um, alcohol is not a good coping mechanism. Um, smoking, pornography, uh, emotional eating, compulsive spending, those things only dig the hole a little deeper. Temporary relief, uh, but more problems down the road. Second uh, Peter 2.19, they are talking of these people that, that are compulsively addicted to all of this kind of stuff. They are slaves of things that will be destroyed. Um, for people are slaves of anything that controls them. If food controls you, you're a slave of food and, and so forth. So those are just some things that I want you to think about. I want you to consider as we think about this really core, from the beginning, biblical concept of margin this morning. So Luke chapter 10. Jesus and his disciples are heading south. They've been up around the Galilee area. They're moving south. They're headed in the direction of Jerusalem. And after weeks and months of intense ministry, uh, early mornings, late nights, long days, crowds of people around them pressing in, um, now it is time, and Jesus made regular time for this, but this is going to be a really intentional time to pause, to relax a little bit, uh, to spend time with these three really good friends, Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. Um, so I imagine when Jesus knocks on the gate of their home, I can almost hear the voice uh, in the courtyard saying, Mary, Lazarus, it's Jesus, get out here. And as the gate opens, these three smiling faces are seeing the smiling face of their friend and their Lord. Familiar faces, hugs, greetings. It feels like home. It really feels like home for Jesus. Mary and Lazarus start catching up with Jesus, and Martha, at some point here, just sort of disappears. Okay? She is the head of household. She is the consummate hostess. After all, namesake of, of, of Martha Stewart, right? Um, she is a hostess. So she has slipped out, and she is busy. Busy, busy, busy. So much to do. Wow, Jesus is here. I wish I would have had a little notice on this. So, got to get down to the market. Got to haggle with the, with the, 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 the salespeople down there over, over the, 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 the flour and the wheat and, and, and the vegetables and some protein, some meat. Uh, I got to put a, a great spread out for my honored guests. And now she, she's back home and she's still out of sight. Uh, whirling around, spinning around in the kitchen, um, kneading bread and chopping, getting the fire started, um, butchering meat. Now, that's Martha, right? Mary, her sister, is still with Jesus, hasn't left Jesus. Um, she may be washing the feet of Jesus as she listens to him tell stories from the ministry trail, stories of the blind receiving sight, stories of demons being cast out, all manner of disease being healed, stories of, of parents bringing their children to Jesus for a blessing, uh, maybe funny stories, campfire stories from when the disciples were camping out all around Galilee. Um, she just hangs on every word. Martha, back to Martha, feels the weight of responsibility. Um, everything needs to be perfect. It's Jesus in their home. 
perfectly cooked meal, perfectly seasoned food. Um, it needs to be an unforgettable supper with the Lord. Perfectly everything. Nothing but the best. Nothing but the best for Jesus. Mary, her sister, is just with Jesus. Just drinking Jesus in. The, the Lord, I imagine, at some point during those conversations, uh, the Lord grows serious and begins to speak about the growing opposition that He has experienced in, in, in His ministry. Um, threats that are being made about Him. And quietly, I, I, I can hear Him sharing with Mary and Lazarus and, and others about the approaching end for Him. The time is coming where He will give up His life as a sacrifice, and Mary shudders at the thought of that. Surely that, that can't be true. Back in the kitchen... The conversation and everything going on in the other room is just kind of muffled background noise as, as Martha continues her frenetic work. So much to do, so much to do, so little time. Sweat on her forehead, her face is glistening. She just keeps right on, on working. And this is kind of the way I imagine the scene playing out. At some point, those muffled voices in the other room are interrupted by one singular sound that slams into Martha like fingernails going down a chalkboard. The voice of her sister. That's Mary's voice. And it grates on Martha. Martha's thinking, hang on a second. I am in here slaving away. I've got piles of things to do to get this meal ready. And she is out there sitting down, listening to Jesus. Now she's kneading and she's chopping with a little more intensity. And the pots and pans are banging together a little bit louder now. And finally, Martha has had it. She barges in, interrupts Jesus. Boy, wouldn't I like to be out here sitting and listening. But there's a lot to be done. And Mary is not helping. She says in Luke chapter 10, verse 40, to Jesus, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work all by myself. You tell her to help me. Well, well, well. She's had it. She doesn't, look, she doesn't even address Mary, right? She doesn't even talk to Mary. She talks about Mary to Jesus, never even uses Mary's name. My sister. Verbally taking a swing at Mary, verbally taking a swing at Jesus, right? Mary for not lifting a finger to help. Jesus for not doing anything to make Mary lift a finger to help her. And Jesus looks at his dear friend, his finger-wagging friend, Martha. 
And with tenderness in his voice, Luke chapter 10, verses 41 to 42. Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things. Only one thing is important, and Mary has chosen the better thing, and it will never be taken away from her. Martha just doesn't have any surplus, any excess capacity. Martha is running at 110%. There is no margin in Martha's life. And margin is a choice. Remember, Mary has chosen. Martha wasn't really choosing. She was being bounced around like a pinball, pinball by all she needed to do. And Jesus wants us to make sure that we're not crowding out the very best. Yes, what we're doing is good. There's a lot of good things. In fact, countless good things that need to be done. Jesus wants to make sure we're not crowding out the best. And in the internal scheme of things... Our souls need one thing more than they need anything else. And that is the Lord. Don't push Him out. Don't elbow Him out. Your soul needs that. The main course isn't the skewered lamb, isn't the sautéed vegetables or the fresh baked bread, the main course is Jesus. If you need prayers this morning, we're going to have a time where you can pray with me or one of our shepherds or, or some loved one around you about what it is that is troubling you, what it is that's keeping you up at night, what is worrying you, um, and pray about that. Come before the Lord who listens to His children. Or maybe you are ready to cross that line of faith and put on Jesus Christ in baptism this morning as your Lord and Savior. However you need to respond to Jesus, the Prince of Peace, this morning. Do that as we stand together and sing.